Welcome to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, a bi-weekly look at all things related to the growing elite clubs nationally, the ECNL. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. Now, here's your host for Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, former U.S. soccer press officer and longtime soccer broadcaster, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky, and this is episode four of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. And I am joined, as always, by Christian Lavers, the president and CEO of the ECNL. And for this episode, the guest is so big, we're going to spend time with just one man, Vlatko Andonovsky, the head coach of the U.S. Women's National Team. And we do it on the one-year anniversary of him being named the head coach of the U.S. Women's National Team. That's right. On October 28, 2019, Vlatko Andonovsky was named the ninth head coach in U.S. Women's National Team history. Vlatko came to U.S. soccer after spending seven years as a head coach in the National Women's Soccer League, five with FC Kansas City, and two with Rain FC. He led FC Kansas City to back-to-back NWSL titles in 2014 and 15, and he was a two-time NWSL Coach of the Year. He was born in Macedonia and played pro over there before coming to the United States to also play pro, especially indoor. During his time in Kansas City, he also worked in youth club soccer, winning four Missouri State Championships and a Girls U.S. Youth Soccer National League title. He was also head coach for the Girls Olympic Development Program in Missouri for two years. He holds a U.S. Soccer A license, a United Soccer Coaches goalkeeping license, and a United Soccer Coaches Premier license, and he also completed the U.S. Soccer Pro license course. Coach Andonovsky is a 2008 graduate of Park University with a Bachelor of Arts degree in Business Administration Management, and he earned a Master's degree in Coaching Education with a soccer track from Ohio University in 2018. He answers all of our questions led by the great Christian Lavers, and he does it after this message from the ECNL. With over 200 clubs and nearly 50,000 players, the ECNL is leading youth soccer forward in the United States. A new season has kicked off and a new brand identity has been launched, but one thing stays constant. The ECNL is more than a league. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. As you just heard, we're going to go wall to wall with the new and talented head coach of the U.S. women's national team, Vlatko Andonovsky. You just heard his incredible resume. We're going to dive in a little bit more. Such a treat to have Vlatko on the entire show as he is good friends with Christian Lavers, the president and CEO of the ECNL. So with that, I'll turn it over to Mr. Lavers to Get the interview going with Vlatko Andonovsky. Take it over, Christian. Vlatko, thank you so much for being here. We're really excited to talk to you, and I know there's going to be a lot of coaches and players within our league and just youth soccer generally that are excited to hear your thoughts. So thanks for coming on today. Thank you very much for having me, Christian. I'm very excited to be here and have the opportunity to talk to you about soccer in general, youth, senior, national teams, everything. Well, let's just start with... 
what a road that you've traveled to get here. And I think if we went back five years or even longer, it would be hard for you to imagine that this would be where you're sitting today. So can you talk a little bit about the path that you took and when this job became a reality for you, what were some of the thoughts that went through your head when you looked back at your coaching career? I mean, there were a lot of things that came through my mind. You know, you're saying five years ago, but even two, three years ago, I don't know if this ever crossed my mind because I never really felt like I was ready until a few years ago. And I wanted to be ready. You know, I wanted to get better and be prepared and be ready. So when the opportunity presents itself, I'm ready for it. But if we go back to when I started as a coach, I mean, I literally started with six years old girls in uh, recreational soccer. That was my beginning. It was, you know, I come from the trenches. You know, I, I did everything, whether it's uh, U6, U7, U8, recreational soccer, and uh, nine and tens, and older players, high school players. And I did uh, junior college. I did NAIA college. I did semi-pro team, professional team, and came to the national team. And not many people probably know my background and where, where I come from, or not many people have gone through the same pathway. Most of the times you see a college coach coaching at high level, or player that played uh, MLS or Europe and then uh, they get a job. You know, I'm just proud and I'm proud of the fact that I coached six years old and eight and 10 and 12 and every possible level. And like I said in the, in the previous uh, questions, it helps. I, I mean, I know what it takes to develop someone that, uh, that can cross the ball or can, can use the, their weak foot. The players that are on the national team, they crave development. They crave getting better. And sometimes it's as simple as that. Like little things that I've done with 12 years old, I have to do it with the national team. Not because they, they play like that. It's because they, there are certain little pieces of their game that have never been developed. So it has helped me and uh, I'm uh, thankful for that. I was struck, even just with with coaching in the NWSL, how much of the teaching process is the same, right? With with youth versus the pros, and it, there's a lot, there's a slightly different context, and there's some wrinkles, but so much is the same that I think it's good for every coach to kind of see. But one thing I would say that's unique to your path, and I remember I'll throw a, a name, a throwback here, when Mike Makovich who was the director of the uh, Chicago Magic, when he first got into MLS, he was like the first youth coach that had gone from all the way down and coaching youth soccer all the way up to the top in men's professional soccer. And it was sort of one of those things. It's a trailblazing look. And, and everybody looked and said, holy cow, you can do it. And I think for you to have gone the same way from the youth game up to the very top of the women's game, is going to be inspirational to a lot of coaches who, who start coaching because they love the sport and they love to help players and they're not sure where it's going to take them. But I think your pathway shows that it can take you anywhere if you're a good person and do good work. So I think that's, that's awesome. Thank you. No, I, I, I hope it's, it's, it's inspirational. I hope that everybody sees that there is a way. Obviously, you have to commit yourself. You have to work hard. You got to do the right thing for the players. And, you know, you got to, you got to, focus on, uh, you know, bettering the players uh, as, as people, as person and uh, as players as well. So I hope uh, everybody, everybody sees it and, uh, and uh, wish them all the best. I don't think anyone could say you haven't earned your spurs <laughs> with all of that. It's a pretty good preparation, I would think, because you, you go from seeing kids at the very first time they're kicking a ball and just the joy of the sport to spending so much time. And I know you spent a, such a long period of time with youth 
kids in, in club soccer where they're really doing the predominance of their learning. Yes. And to be quite honest, I'm very proud of the whole pathway. You know, I'm proud of the fact that I know how U6 and 7s and 8s operate and uh, how they see the game. And I know how younger soccer players operate and I know how college players operate and how they see the game. And I've been fortunate enough in the last seven years to work with professional players and world-class players that helped me understand how the world-class players operate. So every piece of my pathway, every piece of my coaching career contributed in some way to my, I guess, expertise right now. It's pretty unique. So I've had the opportunity to coach against you in youth soccer. In the ECNL, when you were coaching with Kansas City, I had the opportunity to lose multiple times against you in the NWSL. When I was with Chicago and you were with Kansas City running the table across the NWSL, I've seen you in all these different roles. And I can't say enough about your demeanor, about the way you conduct yourself, and, and talk a little bit about the culture that you like to have with the teams that you coach and the way that you want your teams to play. Just talk about some of that bigger 10,000 foot perspective about what a Vladko team looks like. It's interesting. And uh, like you said, uh, we, you know, we've coached against each other in the UCML when uh, I was a youth coach. And uh, even though the environments are different than the professional, but the culture that I was trying to build, it's not any different. It was built on the, on the, on the same principles, on the same ideals, on the same views and values. Every environment that I've been into, I always try to build this family-type environment, uh, environment where, where everybody knows what they're doing without being told, where environment where everybody is valued and uh, believes and knows that uh, they're valued. I mean, the, the principles that we build at the, that environment, the family type environment are trust, respect, hard work, discipline, and commitment. We talk a lot about trust and trusting, first, first and foremost, trust, trusting uh, uh, ourselves and our abilities and what we do and contribute for the, for the environment. And then trusting uh, your the teammate, trusting your staff members, trusting the process, uh, just have believed and trust in the process that, uh, that we have. Then um, the other one uh, I said is respect. Uh, respect is something that uh, is, uh, that has to be there, respecting, you know, respecting each other, respecting the staff, respecting the game, respecting the opponents, uh, the referees, uh, the fans. The respect is, uh, is uh, always a big factor in, uh, in our environment or big principle that we, base, um, the, that we base our culture on. The next one is hard work. I mean, um, even though I'm coming from Macedonia, I, you know, I consider myself a Midwestern uh, you know, being here for 20 years, you know, hard work, the, the blue collar mentality is always, it's always there, but it's not just Midwest, you know, this country is, uh, is uh, built on hard work and dedication. The hard work uh, is, uh, is, is always there for us. And the discipline, uh, the discipline of being a true pro now when we're talking about professionals, but discipline of, of doing what it, uh, what it takes to be in the game, to dedicate yourself to the game, uh, the discipline of following through with your task and helping the, the, the players follow to, uh, through with their, their task uh, is another principle. And the last one is uh, commitment. And commitment is a little bit of a sketchy one, and it kind of it's a little bit different for the younger ages than for the professionals or world class players. And the biggest the biggest disconnect with commitment we have is when the when the younger players 
become professionals. The reason why I'm saying is a little disconnect is or where they, they, they get it wrong, in my opinion, is they confuse the, the commitment with, uh, with motivation. You know, they, they, become, um, they become professional players and they feel like they, they made it. They, this is it. And, uh, hey, the coach asked me to come to camp uh, or to come to uh, training. I come to training. You asked me to be there at 10 o'clock. I'm there at 10 o'clock. You asked me to train. I train. Or you asked me to lift. I go and lift. Okay, and uh, uh, that's not commitment for me. That's motivation. All those young players are motivated uh, by the fact that they're professionals and they're making they make they make living being professionals. Where a true commitment, and we, you'll see with uh, I mean you've seen it with some of these uh, uh, players that you work with on the on the rest are you know they are uh, they're committed to being the best version of themselves every time when they step on the field and off the field like everything they do okay they commit themselves to be the best that they can be or the best version that they can be they're not okay with just being there they're not okay with being good okay or good enough they be the, they want to be the best and that's uh, that's the only one that uh, i feel like uh, it differs a little bit from younger ages to uh, when they come through uh, through professionals but uh, Going back to uh, the cultures that uh, I've always trying to build, I mean, those are the principles uh, that we that we stick to. And uh, whether it's a national team, whether it's a Kansas City team or Seattle or uh, youth soccer. No, it's interesting you say that, and it brings to mind kind of a cliche that amateurs train until they get it right and professionals train until they can't get it wrong, right? And that's kind of what you're talking about, about that. Yes, being, yeah, exactly. They don't, yeah, they don't, they don't accept being just being okay or doing it right or doing it good enough. Okay, it has to be the best. You set some standards in the NWSL with your time with FC Kansas City and then moving into the Seattle Reign. And when you take over with the national team, they, they had a bit of success in the last couple of years, as you know. So you're walking into an environment and which is pretty intimidating in some regards, but at the same time, and, and I, I think I and a lot of people when the job came open, it was like, this was Vladko's job. And, and I don't say that with the benefit of 2020. I say that, and, and you can quote me with a, a lot of people. I said, well, Vladko's obviously the one who's going to get this job. But when you walk into that uh, training session for that, the camp the first time with a team that is, you know, two-time world champions, but was very excited to have you. I mean, I think it was the most popular hire in the history of women's soccer based on Twitter responses. What was that first camp like, that first meeting? How did you approach the team? So the thing is first, what this team has done and uh, Jill Ellis and the, and the coaching staff, I think it's remarkable. I, you know, I think it's a, uh, it's a great job. I mean, back-to-back uh, World Cup champions. Uh, it's something that... The, that deserves so much praise and respect. Uh, but one thing about this team, and uh, what I what I learned very very quick about this team is that they enjoy it, they love it, they were as successful as they were, but they don't want to stop there. Okay, and that's what makes them special. Like, you know, we come there uh, when when I first came there, and uh, we had a conversation. Every single one of them is looking forward for the next one. Okay, yeah, they loved it. They loved every bit of it. Uh, winning 2019 and 2015 and, uh, and uh, victory tours and all that. Like, okay, we got to take care of uh, the Olympics now. All right, let's go. Let's, let's do this. That's their mentality. So the very, the very first, uh, first time I walked into it, uh, 
you're right. It's intimidating. I mean, you are in front of the best team in the world and some of the best players, if not the best players in the world. So what is intimidating is not necessarily intimidating. It's just uh, the pressure of doing everything right. Like they know this game inside and out. They're so educated. They're so uh, analytical that uh, you have to be at your best. We're talking about players being at their best coaching staff and not just coaching staff, the whole supporting staff has to be at their best at every moment, at every time, at everything that they do. And nothing else is, uh, nothing else is accepted there. So that's the, that's the culture that's been created there. That's the culture that's been created since uh, 30 years ago. That's not something that was created in the last year or two. Like that's the, you know, that, that, that's the culture that 91's uh, created or 99ers created. And the, and 2015s and 19s and everybody that's gone through is, has created this culture that nothing else except the best is accept, it's accepted. And I'm not talking about the players. I'm talking coaching staff, supporting staff, what is medical, media, analytics, high performance. Everybody has to be at their best. And uh, it, it, I mean, it shows. It shows. Uh, it showed in the first meeting. But even in the first practice, I'll tell you something. The first practice finishes right, so we go. We go back into, into meeting room uh, later on before dinner to have the recap of the session. And in between, I'm watching the session to uh, to recap it so I can present it to the players. And uh, the, I turn towards uh, one of the coaches and I say, "Is it me, or this was a little?" too intense, a little too competitive. And uh, Milan was uh, next to me and he goes, I thought that was crazy competitive. So I go into the meeting now and I say, hey, ladies, uh, here's the, what we see here, this and this. And, and, and like I said, I want to say something, but uh, tell me if you feel like that was a little too intense. Like the, the, it was a little, at times, a little hectic. And everybody's kind of smiling, you know, laughing a little bit. I said, am I, am I missing something? Are you guys don't agree with it? Or, and uh, one of the players says, coach, just wait until uh, January and you'll see it takes, it, it goes to another level. And, uh, you know, for me, I was like, why, what, what is it? So, you know, it was a November camp. It was right after NWSL. It was after winning World Cup, after after the victory tour. So the players were physically exhausted, mentally exhausted. So they were tired and they were at the level that I've never seen before. So when they said, wait until January, okay, they have this uh, six, week, uh, six week period of uh, when they, they have rest and January is when they kick it back up and getting ready for, uh, for the Olympics. And I'll tell you what, the January camp was fun. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> That was fun, and this is fun. Christian Labors, the CEO and president of the ECNL, elbowed a book, Vlatko Andonovsky, the new head coach of the U.S. Women's National Team, right here on episode four of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. And we have more with Vlatko after these messages from our special sponsors of the ECNL. ECNL Boys is partnering with Puma for the second year, driving sport forward with the leading products and the next generation of pros who wear them. Puma has proven themselves as the fastest sports brand in the world, the fastest innovation, the fastest players, and the fastest products in the game. They're the perfect partner to complement the speed and talent of our teams. In keeping with their mantra of forever faster, Puma introduces the world's 
fastest boot, the Ultra. The only boot engineered for speed, the Ultra combines a woven upper with a lightweight outsole for direct forward motion, speed, and acceleration. It's the best in the game, designed for the best players in the game. From athletes just starting to turn heads to some of the best athletes to ever play their games, Gatorade shows that they are the proven fuel of the best. For the athletes who give everything, nothing beats Gatorade, the studied, tested, and proven fuel of the ECNL. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, episode four, dedicating the entire show to Vlatko Andonovsky, the new head coach of the U.S women's national team who's got such a great relationship with Christian Lavers, the president and CEO of the ECNL. Before the break, Christian Lavers, some great questions. One of the things he talked about is how well Vlatko gets along with the players. And Vlatko, for sure, it has been rumored. There's been stories written about you being a player's coach. What does that mean for you to be described as a player's coach? Because it's true like Christian said, it seemed like when you were named the head coach, every player was pretty excited about it. I mean, obviously, uh, it's it's good, makes you feel good, uh, and I want to be a player's coach. You know, I want uh, first and foremost, obviously, I was a player, so I know what it took to be a player, and uh, I want to I want to be there for them. I want to help them out. I want to I want to help them out throughout their career, being uh, achieving the, their best. For me as a coach, when I, when I step on the field or when I step in that environment or any environment, I want them to be good people. And uh, with that, I want them to be good soccer players. So you look at our, uh, all our um, environments or environments that I coach, uh, coach in, uh, before anything else, before saying that we, you know, we had a good team or good players or good individuals, we had good people. And I was blessed with some uh, great individuals uh, the, throughout, the, throughout my uh, career to work with uh, some great, great individuals throughout my career, uh, you know, starting from Kansas City, we had Lauren Cheney and Becky and A-Rod, uh, uh, Nicole Barnhart, Heather O'Reilly. I mean, that's a, that's a group that uh, that everybody will love to work with. And then you go to Seattle, same thing, uh, you know, great group to work with. So it's it's just uh, exciting. It's not uh, it's not just me that. Uh, that uh, that does the work uh, in this relationship between the uh, player and uh, and uh, coaches. It's the players themselves that are they're good people and caring people. As this show airs, you will have just been wrapping up your camp with 27 players, and the list was so impressive because when you took the job, you said that you were going to cast a wide net, and you've done exactly that. What did you want to get out of this camp with 27 players? First, I'm excited to be in camp, and uh, after seven months uh, and some, uh, be- being back in camp is uh, is just exciting, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, now, uh, 27 players. If you look at the, the players, the, the, it's uh, the, we we split them in the three subgroups, and one uh, one the, the first subgroup is uh, the what I would call regular sort of players that have been in camp or have. Uh, been with the national team for a long time to have so many caps you know Becky and Kelly Crystal uh, Lindsay Ali Ash uh, uh, Alisa so that's a, that's a, the first group then the, the next group is the the players that have performed well or earned the, this call up through the uh, through NWSL 
and had good performances in the fall series as Challenge Cup or even uh, some in, in the previous year uh, in NWSL. And then the third group is the, the ones that have done well in the uh, with the with the youth national teams, whether it's under 23 or under 20s, so well, when when we mix all these three groups together, there is a there is this uh, this agenda that we're trying or plan that we're trying to achieve. Where first we uh, we remind some of the regulars, some of the players that have been around uh, for the previous camps, and uh, and and uh, remind what we've done and help them move forward. And then the next groups are uh, more evaluative uh, and see how they're gonna uh, how they're gonna fit into what we're trying to do. And then uh, the third group is uh, evaluative more so how they're gonna fit in this environment on the long term. Vlatko, you can be the most caring coach ever. You can be the ultimate players coach. You can have those great eyes that the players like, but. I do not envy you as you think about the Olympics. Let's hope we get through COVID. But you're going to go from 23 players, right, with 20 field players to 18 players with 16 field players. Anywhere you slice it, Vlatko, there's going to be heartbreak and there's going to be some agony. I do not envy that day. I got to believe you're already thinking about the fact that there will indeed be some major heartbreak. Heartbreak uh, happens uh every time when you select a roster, whether you go from, uh, from 26 to 23 or 23 to 18, or uh, regardless of what the numbers are, there's always, there always going to be a heartbreak. And uh, I mean, I, I feel bad. And that's the part of the, part of the job that, I don't, uh, that I'm not looking forward to when I have to, uh, when I have to uh, announce or have the conversation with the players. But uh, it, it is part of the job. And... Uh, I, you know, I do it with with a uh, with uh, with a little bit, you know, a little with a little bit of sadness. But uh, it's uh, it's a competitive environment, and uh, we got to do what we got to do to create uh, the best possible team that we can. My last question, and I'll turn it back over to Christian Labors. I thought it was pretty neat when you got your citizenship in 2015. But dare I say, I think it's even more neat that Katarina Macario now has her U.S. citizenship. She is the real deal, Coach. I know she's got to get FIFA approval, but how exciting is that? I mean, I'm very, ex- uh, very excited. First, I'm very happy for her. I've gone through the same process that uh, she has uh, gone through, and I know it's, uh, it's a long, tiring, uh, and exhausting, mentally exhausting process, but uh, uh I'm glad that she she got over it, and I'm very happy for her uh, that she is uh, ready to take a new chapter uh, in her life. But also uh, the fact that uh, now she's uh, eligible to play for a U.S. Women National Team makes me more excited uh, because, like you said, uh, she's a great player. I mean, anyone that has seen Katarina play in college uh, knows uh, the talent uh, that she has. She can uh, score goals. She can... uh, uh, create opportunities for other players. Uh, she has a flair that uh, that is just just makes uh, this game more more exciting, more interesting. And uh, I'm excited for it, and looking forward to see her in camp, and looking forward to see her in the future. Because as good as she is in in uh, college game, not always that translates on the international level. Uh, do I believe that she can be uh, one of the best players in the world? Yes, absolutely. 
but it will take a little bit of time and I don't want to uh, jump ahead of anything. I want, you know, I wanted to take every step uh, uh, in order and uh, achieve, uh, achieve her dreams. I'm going to use that as a segue, Blacko, because I know the connection with the youth teams is really important to you. And, and part of your vision for this program is having uh, a connection, a, a real connection, not just in name and brand and not just with an appearance here and there, but a real connection developmentally between the youth national teams and uh, the full national team and, and part, partially uh, including your vision of that. So can you talk through a little bit of how you see that relationship and how, how you see that best functioning? Yes. Uh... When I, when I first got the job, even in my interview, uh, one of my presentation was uh, one nation, uh, one, uh, one nation, one team, one staff. And uh, I just used uh, the youth soccer, uh, 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 what is it, slogan, uh, say, uh, one nation, one team. But I added uh, one staff because I feel like uh, the federation, uh, uh, the feder- in the federation, whether you're your coach uh, for the U14 or U20 or U.S. Women National Team, the senior team, okay, we're all here for one thing, okay, Be- uh, prepare the team, develop the players from the, from the younger ages to the senior team, so we can uh, so they can be the best that they can be and create the best possible national team that, that we can create. So in order to do that. We have to work together we, because we can't have uh, one coach to do one thing or have one vision and another coach have another vision and, uh, you know, myself have a different vision. And even with the federation, uh, as a federation, I have a different vision. And I think that so far, for starting from the federation, I've done a, a tremendous job in, uh, uh, in uh, establishing the, the core values and principles for, for the federation, which uh, furthermore helps me establishing the, the, the values and, um, and the principles for the, uh, for the team, and then uh, uh, going, uh, going uh, down to the U23s, 2017s, and the 15s. In this, uh, in this uh, pandemic, uh, unfortunately, that we're not on the field or haven't had time to play games or trainings, but uh, we've had plenty of times to, to do things that probably would, would not have if, uh, if uh, everything was normal. And uh, in this uh, in this time, we've had uh, numerous meetings. I mean, uh, sev- several weekly meetings, uh, uh, several meetings a week, uh, in uh, standardizing and unifying everything from the younger ages all the way to the all the way to the national team. And I'm talking about uh, style of play, so that the game idea, the the team tactical principle, or the game model, the positional profiles for every player. The, uh, the the different tactical situations, uh, were, uh, regardless of uh, regardless of the phase of the game, so all of this was done uh, and was uh, present not just presented was done uh, collaboratively with uh, with the youth national team staff, so everybody was included and uh, everything that we developed, everything that uh, that I personally did with. Uh, with the senior team, the youth national team coaches did it with the youth teams, but even myself personally, I was able to present uh, some of that for, uh, for the youth national uh, team players. So the, this, this whole time, this whole, uh, this whole process has been a long process and it, it's just the beginning because all of this is just uh, 
just on the computer in the office. Now everything has to be implemented on the field, and we're going to start uh, start doing it as, as soon as we step on the field. I think that's really really important, and and I, your background plays to it so well because you you have coached at so many different ages, and obviously in both genders as well. But talk about a little bit when when you look at take the emotional side of the of the player there's a big difference between a player 16 years old a young professional as you mentioned a seasoned professional um, in the way that they deal with all sorts of different things and one of those I think is, is even the pressure of coming into a new team or coming from a club environment into a national team environment and then going back to a club environment and obviously you manage that with at a club level, you manage it in a professional level with draft picks coming in and melding, and now you're managing it uh, at an international level, you know, with young players like Katarina Macario coming in for, for her first appearance, but then you've also got people who have, you know, won multiple world championships. So how, how do you deal with the emotional side of players of different age groups and, and different uh, phases of their life? It's, uh, it, it's not easy, and it seems like it, uh... It seems like uh, it becomes a little bit, uh, a little bit bigger problem than, than it used to be, uh, and uh, it is a it, it is a stressful situation, as you said, regardless of what uh, environment, whether it's a youth uh, club to uh, to a na- youth national team or even a, a draft to to a national team. But uh, it's uh, it's something that coaches need to understand uh, that uh, those players are human being and that that uh, m- mentally they can be hurt because. You, uh, if you look at it, if a, if a player says, my knee bothers me, my knee hurts or my ankle hurts, what do we do? We, uh, we you know, everybody stops, like, hold on, stop. You know, this person is injured. We got to get them medical. You got to get MRI. We got to do this. Okay. But when somebody, somebody is mentally hurt, oh, that, you know, that person is just uh, weak mentally. No, it's not. Okay. She, you know, she needs to be treated, whether by coach or a professional, like, it's okay. It's fine, and that's something that coaches need to understand. That uh, that's that you, know, you can get hurt out of the, uh, mentally, not just physically. And uh, you know, for my, myself, I, I I've done lots of research and uh, studied and uh, used help of professionals how to how to deal with uh, with the players uh, along the years. I mean, part of it, uh, part of my. Um, Master's degree was actually psychology of uh, of coaching, just, uh, psychology of soccer, as uh, to be more specific. And uh, I will tell you a story. Uh, Bethany Bolser coming from a, uh, coming from NAIA, getting signed for uh, for uh, the national team. Uh, sorry, getting signed for Seattle in the in the in the first game ever. We're in Houston, and uh, she it was the, the it was the first game for of the season and uh, it was the first time for her in the 70th minute she got she's uh, she's supposed to go in for Darian Jenkins i know she's not mentally ready for the game i i, I knew that she's not uh, she's not uh, prepared as much as she was preparing she's not prepared for it it's just different you, know, you played NAIA uh, never you know the even though she did well is a different level than you know playing uh, Playing at uh, Final Four with uh, in a Division One, and it's different level than playing at uh, uh, playing for a long time in uh, uh, on a professional team. And all of a sudden, now she goes in and plays. All I said to to her is, I didn't go in and uh, say you need to do this and this and this and this and this and and lined up things so so she can uh, to to win the games for us. All I said for her is like, 
just go out there and I want you to have fun. Okay. Well, I don't want you to worry about how you're going to do what you're going to do. Okay. Because regardless of how you do, okay, you're not going to lose the game for us. And I, I don't want you to worry about that. Okay. I want you to have fun and remember this uh, and have good experience because this will, this moment will, will stick with you for the rest of your life. Okay. So for, for me, it was not, okay, now, you know, what did you do? You know, why, you know, was she ready to go in? For me, is preparing Bethany Bolzer for game number two and game number three, because if she went in and uh, didn't do well, regardless of, you know, what well is at that point, uh, it, was gonna, it was never going to prepare her for the rest of the season. For me, it was, okay, let's, let's just get your feet wet, okay, enjoy it, Okay, experience it because for you, it's not this game. I want to see how you're going to do three games from now, five games from now. It's, and, and that's part of, uh, part of the uh, uh, psychological, uh, psychological approach or preparing uh, the players psychologically for the rest of the season. At least that was my approach. And that doesn't mean that that was right or wrong. I, that, that's how I approach it. I think it's a, a great perspective. It's, it's recognizing that you're a steward in some way of these players and their pathway. You have a big impact on it. And yeah. one more question for me, and, and again, we really appreciate you being here. But if you, if you were to look back again at, at your younger self, your, your young Macedonian self coaching, you know, mm-hmm. 10 and 11 year old. And I, you know, I think when I, when I was coaching with the Red Stars in the morning and then driving back to Milwaukee and coaching youth soccer in the evening, it was quite a difference, you know, very, uh, it was a, it, I learned a lot um, in the contrast, if nothing else. But there was a lot similar, too, when you talk about just players in the game. So if you look back to your younger self and the young coaches now who are working with the future talent uh, in this country, what would you say to them? What, what advice would you give to them, either personally, because you were that coach, and now you're the coach that's leading the te- best team in the world, or you were working with those players, some of whom are, are, are now fortunate enough to play with you in the national team? Oof, uh, it's, it's a good question. You know, one thing, when I, when I look back, uh, one thing that I always uh, you know, laugh at myself is sometimes how much I was wrapped up into winning and losing. Like, for me, if I didn't win the game, we didn't play good enough. Or, if I, you know, if I lost the game, we didn't play good enough. Or if we won the game, that was great. We played great. So uh, then, as I, as, I, as I grew more and more as a coach, I realized that there's a lot more than uh, winning and losing and uh, realized that uh, that's something that, should, uh, that I should not be focused on. So uh, that would be, uh, that would be uh, one thing. And then, uh, uh, I guess, another thing is uh, just the, the focus on... Uh, just the whole focus on the holistic development as a player, you know, for the younger players, we, I was talking a little bit about the psychological approach and I was talking a little bit about the culture that I was trying to, to develop with, with these teams, you know, how the, the, the developing the players as person is important. I think that that's something that I would, 
I would uh, focus a little a little bit more now if I go and coach uh, coaching youth soccer again. Going to take one more break as we are spending the entire Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast with the head coach of the U.S. Women's National Team celebrating his one-year anniversary in that job. Vlatko Andonovsky on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast after this message. Soccer.com is proud to partner with the ECNL to support the continued development of soccer in the U.S. at the highest levels. Visit Soccer.com today to check out our unmatched selection of soccer gear, expert advice, and stories of greatness at every level of the game. Nike is a proud sponsor of ECNL Girls. Nothing can stop what we can do together to bring positive change to our communities. You can't stop sport because you can't stop our voices. Follow Nike on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Once again, here's Dean Linky. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, where we're dedicating the entire show to the one-year anniversary of Vlatko Andonovsky, former youth coach, now getting it done as the head coach of the U.S. Women's National Team. Great questions, as always, from Christian Labors, the president and CEO. I'm going to jump in here real quick because I love the women's game, longtime voice the North Carolina Courage, and I love the way Julie Ertz plays. So, Vlatko, I can't let you go without asking you the best way to describe Julie Ertz because I just think the way she plays the game is simply something special. Best way to describe Julia Ertz. I mean, I don't know if uh, you can describe Julia Ertz with a uh, few words uh, because she does so many things very good or excellent that uh, it, it's hard to describe her with a couple of words. I said that after a few, uh, after a couple of camps uh, with the with the national team, I said I, I started realizing that Julia is maybe the most important player for this team. I always knew how good she is. Like you know, in the league, I've been in the league. I've uh, I studied her and analyzed her and her play and watch her for the national team. But you don't really realize how important she is until you get to know her and until you get to know uh, the team. She is uh, she is the most important player on the team for so many things that she does. Uh, whether it's uh, on the field, in possession of the ball, out of possession, or out of uh, off the field, uh, in trainings, uh, uh, in anywhere, anywhere she is, she uh, she's uh, impactful with uh, with the, the way she does things and the way she carries herself, the way she talks, the, the way she walks. I mean, she she's very impactful and very important for our team. I feel like when you analyze the U.S. team, we might have 20 of the best attacking players in the world. And granted, there's some good ones in the world. However, gone are the days of growing Carla Overbacks and Christine Rampones and Kate Markgrafs and Becky Sauerbruns on trees. Defensively, talk about how important it is to find that next Carla Overback and all those other great names I just said. We're talking how the, the national team has some great forwards, but uh, even if you look at the, the defense, uh, we, in the last 10 games, I can speak uh, at least until uh, since I got here, we've only got scored on, uh, on two games. Uh, so eight, uh, eight shout-outs, still not a bad, uh, <laughs> not a bad stat, uh, right? So uh, with this, I want to give credit to Alisa first uh, uh, as a goalkeeper and uh, Ashton, you know, the goalkeepers, but also the defensive line. You know, uh, Becky uh, captaining the, the and uh, leading the defensive line with uh, 
uh, Abby, uh, Abby Dolkemper and uh, Kelly and Crystal, they, I think they're all doing great. Now, uh, with that being said, um, you know, there, there is definitely a new, uh, new wave of, uh, of players coming in. I mean, uh, we have uh, Tierna Davidson, uh, 22. Uh, uh, Naomi Girma is going to be in camp, and she's another centre-back uh, that is uh, still eligible for the under-20s. And uh, Abby Dolkemper, I mean, she's a, she's a, she's a young player. Crystal is a young player, so we definitely have uh, have players that uh, we're watching or in evaluating going forward that we we feel like have potential to become uh, regulars on the national team. Great answer. Just fill in the blank on this. Being the head coach of the U.S. Women's National Team means what to you, Vladko? It means the world. It's, uh, it's the best job in the world. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, the best challenge in the world. It is a challenge. Uh, we talked about uh, in, you know taking over a team that won two World Cups. You know we, we you know we said Jill was hired to win one, but she went on made it even harder, won won two, so made it even even, even more challenging now. But uh, it, if you're not wired to accept the, a challenge like that and embrace the challenge, it's probably not ju- not a job for you. But so that's what I love about it. It is a challenge. It's a challenge for me. It's a challenge for for the uh, for the coaching staff. It's a challenge for the players to win another one, and uh, we, you know we're willing to accept it. You are as advertised, first class coach. Thanks so much for being on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thank you very much. It's uh, been an absolute pleasure being a part of it. Uh, Christian, uh, like, uh, like you said, you know, we're going way, way back from uh, uh, competing in uh, youth soccer, ECNL, uh, ECNL games uh, to professional. So keep doing what you're doing for youth soccer. Uh, it's, it's amazing. And thank you for having me. Hey, we love having you. I don't think I'm going to have a chance to sit on the opposite bench of you anytime soon. So I'll just say good luck and uh, we're all cheering for you. Thank you. Thank you very much. So how about that? When you have a chance to spend time with the head coach of the U.S. Women's National Team, you dedicate the entire show. And that's exactly what we did with this edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. We'll be back with you next on Wednesday, November 11th for another edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. For Kristen Labors, the president and CEO, Michael Joyce, all the great folks at ECNL, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you in two weeks. Thanks for listening to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. And if you have a suggestion for the show or a great idea for a guest, please email us at info at theecnl.com. Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast is an ECNL production. ECNL, more than a league.